Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter 12. Uh, we'll begin with verse number 9 uh, this morning as we continue in uh, the last of our Sundays talking about so what? So what? Jesus Christ has saved us. We have received salvation in our heart and life. So what does that mean for our life? And that's what Romans 12 has taught us. And that's what we have been learning as we studied through this chapter about how the Lord wants to change us. And what does this salvation mean for us in our hearts and our life? And we talked about how the first Sunday that the so what is that we should surrender. We should give our lives fully and completely to God as living sacrifices. And then uh, the last time we, uh, we met together, we talked about how the so what is that we should embrace the new identity that God has made us new. We are made in the image of God and we are made as the new creation and that He has gift, gifted us with various gifts to be used uh, for His service. And the last verses, the last bulk of this, verses 19 through 21, Paul is going to devote his attention to what our life in Christ should be like. What should the life of Christ be like for us? How we should live? What are some practical principles that we can put all of these things into perspective? And I know a lot of you say, well, I want to live my life the way that Christ wants me to do. And I want to live my life uh, the way the Bible instructs me to do. And so you say, I want to read my Bible and and I want to learn what Christ wants me to do and how I live. And then you get that Bible off the shelf and you take a look at it and say, man, that Bible sure is thick. I don't think I can read all of this Bible, so we'll put it back on the shelf. But what I want to tell you this morning is I hope that at some point you do read the whole thing. But if you uh, don't take up that initiative, if you would just take some time, if you would just take some time out of your life and study these 13 verses with all the various things that we are taught in them, then you would live a life worthy of Christ, that it would give you a great start, that it fundamentally covers essentially all the things that God wants us to do. And while he talks about various things that we'll see in these verses, they all center around one basic precept, and that is that love. We need to learn to love. And for us to establish and for us to take on the ability or to take on the task of loving, we need to learn what love is. Because there's so many definitions of love. And there's so many ways that which we use love in our culture. And a lot of those, if not all of those ways, are wrong. They don't lead us to really what love is all about. So as we read these verses... I want us to think about how God wants to use these to teach us to learn to love. So let's read together in Romans chapter 12. We'll be beginning with verse number 9. It says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Um, Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own eyes. And we all need to pay a very close attention here. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, Lord, and how it guides us in our life. Lord, I pray, Lord, just during this time, Lord, that you will you will guard my words, Lord, that you will teach me to measure my words, Lord, that what is spoken, Lord, during this time, Lord, not be for me, Lord, but be from you. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we'll take these words in our hearts and we'll apply them in our everyday life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Lord had to know that uh, when he inspired uh that when he inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words, he had to know that some 2,000 plus years later, that a preacher like me would be standing here at Pine Grove Baptist Church just after Thanksgiving and just before Thanksgiving to preach these words, let your love be genuine or let your love be without hypocrisy. In other words, let it not be a show because in our holiday seasons, a lot of times we have to put on a show about our love, don't we? Let's be honest with it. We meet a lot of people in our family at Thanksgiving that we'd probably rather not see, but we got to come up and they walk in the door and we had to say, well, I'm glad to see you. I love you. Look forward to seeing you next year. And we'll have to do the same thing around Christmas as we'll go with the, with the co-workers or we'll go to the meetings and the dinners with our bosses and we'll be around all of these people that we'll have to be nice to. And it's a hard thing for us to do because we're putting on a show. But the Lord says in our hearts and a life that our love should be genuine. It should be honestly. It should be without hypocrisy. In other words, I shouldn't be wearing a mask. I shouldn't be saying one thing with my mouth and thinking another thing with my heart. Because a lot of times when we say, I love you, and a lot of times when we say nice things to people, that isn't what's in our heart, is it? Now, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves that we actually say that a lot of times our love is not genuine. And if our love is genuine, a lot of times it's genuine with only a certain matter of people. And a lot of times our love is only genuine with only certain things. But how can we have purity in our hearts, in our love with each other? How can we have love for our lives? How can we have love for our enemies? How can our love truly be genuine? And he says that for our love to be genuine, he says for this that we should actually hate 
uh, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. So if our love is to be genuine, we have to distinguish between what are the things that we are to love and what are the things that we are to hate. And this is very important for us to remember about love because as we throw the word love around and as our culture throws the word word love around, we speak of it as this just sort of mystical force that's up there in the universe, this sort of law that will always prevail and always endure. But what we have to understand is that love has a definition and that love has a definition that comes to us from God, and that definition of love that God gives us is rooted in His character. And so if we are to love genuine, we are to learn to categorize the things that we are to love and the things that we are to despise. And there's some things in our culture that we have learned to love or that we have learned to tolerate, that the Lord says that we should detest them. And so we have to search the Scripture, we have to search our heart to say what is it that God loves and what is it that God hates. And we have to develop that same attitude in our hearts and our life. If there's something that God loves, and we know the things that God loves, God loves the things like the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, and self-control. And we know the things that God hates. He hates envy. He hates strife. He hates sexual immorality. He hates grudges. He hates stealing. He hates lying. Those are the things that he hates. But a lot of times we don't develop in our hearts and our lives a genuine disposal of those things. And a lot of times in our hearts and lives, we don't develop the love for the things that God loves. You know what I love? I love doing what I want to do. Isn't that what you love? That's the way we are. You know, if something what I want to do, it's okay. If it's something I don't want to do, it's an evil sent from hell. And so that's the way that we are, and that's the way that we usually distinguish our ideas of love and hate. But our ideas of the things that we are to love and the things that we are to hate are to be derived from what Christ and the Lord has revealed to us. They have to conform to the character of God. Our love is genuine. We learn the things that we learn to love and the things that we are to abhor. But also he tells us this, that love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, this tells us a very important thing. We learn that love is based on God's character. And God's character of love shows to all of us is that God genuinely loves all of us. And so how can we genuinely love everybody? And we see that he tells us to love everyone affectionately, that in other words, we have a deep love, we have an emotional love, we have an actual honest care and concern for everybody. How can we have that in our life? How can God has, have it for those uh, in our life? 
And how can God have that for all people? We see that word. I mean, we see the clue for that in that last phrase when he tells us to outdo one another in showing honor. What does it mean to show them honor? To show someone honor is to not necessarily recognize them for what they did, but to recognize them for who they are. And who are we? We are all men and women created in the image of God. And so we recognize them in that definition. Even though there may not be anything else likable about them whatsoever, in the end analysis, we do have to honor them in the way that God recognizes them, in the way that God has created them, is that we are all people who bear the image of God. But He's also created other people, has given us in other facets that we should honor. We should honor our mother and our father. Isn't that what the scripture says? Why? Because parents, because mothers and fathers are things that were given to us by God. And it's great that we have mothers and fathers because if we didn't have mothers and fathers, none of us would be here. And so we give them honor because in giving them honor, we recognize God's goodness. The Lord teaches us a hard lesson in Romans 13 when it says that we are to honor the emperor. We are to honor the officials. Why should we give them honor? Why, in other way, would they be praiseworthy? Why? Because they are there because God in his sovereign will has put them there. And it's in God's wisdom that he has given things like police officers, and that he's given us governors and he's given people to, uh, to uh, rule over us so that there would be order. And so these things are a creation of God and they are a gift from God, so we honor them for who they are. Even in some instances, they might not seem worth much honor. But we know that if rulers do not rule rightly, then we know that God and his justice will punish them. And if parents do not parent rightly, we know that they will face the judgment of God. And we know that if we do not live rightly, then God will judge us according to our actions. But the Lord has called all of us to treat everyone with a sense of honor. And so when we learn to love and when we root that love in God's character, and when we root that love in Christ's example that he set for us in our life and love another people, and we understand people for who they truly are as image bearers of the holy God, then we learn to love them. God loves everybody. He, as their creator, he, as even the righteous judge over them, still shows them love and still genuinely loves them, and we should too. But man, it's hard, ain't it? And that's why we need to always be sure that our love is genuine. And the only way that our love can be genuine is if we keep our eyes focused on him. 
and his character in our life. So we learn to love people. We learn to love genuinely. But then God wants us to learn to love life. There's so many people that just walk around, buddy, and they're just always miserable to be around because they're always talking about negative. The sky's always falling. It's always gloom and doom. And um, even as believers, man, they're, they're just the worst of because we just all talk about how bad the world is. But the Lord wants us to love life. How can we love life? Listen to what he tells for us in verse number 11. It says, Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice at hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Continue, uh, I mean, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. How can we learn to love life? We can live it for its true purpose. We can live it for his true purpose. Listen to these three phrases that he tells us in verse 11. He says, it says, do not be slothful in zeal. In other words, there should be a readiness for action in your heart. There should be a readiness in your body to go out and do something. There should be a readiness for you to go out each and every morning to go out and accomplish something. Your body should be constantly ready for action. We shouldn't just float around, but we should be ready. We should be eager. We should not be slothful for our zeal, but rather there should be a burning in us. What does it say? There should be the fervency of spirit. And that phrase could literally transform is that there is a boiling in your spirit. There is a fire burning in your spirit as God is pressing you forward each and every day for what he wants you to do. You see, we have the spirit of God inside of us. We have Jesus Christ living inside of us. And just as he lived his life constantly, woke up every morning, to go out and accomplish the will of God, that should be us as well. He stayed up late at night. He endured um, times of not eating. He endured times of not sleeping, of sleeping. He agonized over the people in their sin that they would come to a saving knowledge and that they would understand who he truly was because he had the Spirit of God just burning in him and pushing him every day to live out his life, and to carry out the mission that God wanted him to do. Is there something burning inside of you? Is the spirit boiling inside of you? But so many times when the spirit falls inside of us, what do we do? We throw the cold water on it. And we go back to our just same slothful activities of just watching ball games, watching TV, gossiping on the phone, just going out living our lives the way that he wants us to do. But God wants us to be full of zeal with a spirit boiling inside of us and to serve the Lord. So what we talked about last week, what our real purpose in life is for, is that we are to serve the Lord. It's the example that Christ set for us. So if we are to love life, if we are to enjoy it to its fullest, then we let the Spirit move in us and we spend our days 
serving the Lord. But not only can we love life, but we can also love life regardless of what its circumstances is. You know, too many times that we have that impression that, you know, when life is good, we feel good. And when life is down, we're down and we're just riding that roller coaster. But God teaches us to love life regardless of what we face because he tells us these verses here that I hope you'll take time to memorize in your heart. It says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. I can face everything that I have because all throughout my life, I live a life of rejoicing in thanksgiving. What am I happy about? Am I happy because of how much money's in my bank account? Am I happy because of a relationship? Am I happy because my ball team won? Am I happy because of this? Is that the source of my rejoicing? Well, sometimes that is. Sometimes that's the rejoicing of my happiness. But you know what? As high as those highs are, those lows are very low. But regardless of how high those things are or how low those things are, I can always have a rejoicing because I always have the hope of Christ in me. But bad times do come. So I have to be patient in the tribulation. As I face the obstacles that come because of my faith in Jesus Christ, as people talk about me, and um, as we see people turn away from us, those can cause times of consternation in our hearts and our lives. But we are patient in our tribulation because we know that that time of tribulation is only for a time and soon that time will be gone, and we will be with Christ forever. And then we are to be constant. We are to be constant in our prayer. Every day, you having a good day? You need to pray. You having a bad day? You need to pray. Everything going on well in your life? You need to pray. If you're on a spiritual high, you need to pray. If you're on a spiritual low, you need to pray. And everything that we do and every day of our life, we need to be in constant communication with our Father. And as long as we here upon this earth, we need Him to guide us. And the only way that we can receive those instructions is if we maintain our prayer with Him. And the last way that we can have a good life and to love it while we're here is that we are to serve the church of God. That last phrase he tells us there, he says, contribute to the needs of the saints and to seek to show hospitality. In Paul's time in the church, there was always preachers and teachers and missionaries that, man, they're coming back and forth. And a lot of times they couldn't afford or there really wasn't the Holiday Inn or the Best Western. And so they had to uh, provide hospitality Uh, for those people to come and to stay. And so that was their way of serving in their church. And we as people should serve in the church, not only as the church globally, but we should serve the church to which God has placed you in. And so we should live our life constantly, constantly serving in the body of Christ because that's the way that we can love life. And as long as we're living life the way that God wants us to do, we can live a life that we can constantly love. 
So we got to learn to love genuine. We want to learn to love life. And then we have to learn to love like Jesus loved. Jesus gave us a lot of examples about how to love. And Jesus loved in the genuineness that's hard for us to follow. But he set the example for us. He let us know that through the Holy Spirit, it is not impossible to love in this way, so it leaves us without any excuse. And that's why he tells us, first of all, is that we should bless those who persecute us. Sometimes it's hard. When people talk about us, I want to talk about them. I want to make people pay for the mistakes that they have made in their life, but he tells us not to curse them, and that is not to wish evil on them, not to wish that a bolt of lightning come and strike them down, not wish that they would be turned into a pillar of salt, but to wish good for their life. And so I'm not just not wishing evil on them, but yet I'm wishing them good. That's hard to do. But he also tells us to learn to care about other people in their lives. That's what he tells us. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We are to have concern about the people who are around us. And if there's something that they're rejoicing for in their life, even if it may be a downtime for you, we need to be happy in their happiness. And when they go through times of sadness, we need to cry with them. We are to live our lives in service to those who are around us. That's the way Jesus taught us. And that's the way that we should live in our hearts and our lives. And also, we should open up our, influ- our sphere of influence and we should be willing to, uh, to associate with other people. What does he tell us in, um, in verse number 16? It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. With the lowly. I was uh, going through this uh, this message, and uh, I got to this part, buddy, and I was writing down all kind of stuff and uh, about associating with the lowly and uh, how we treat people, buddy, and I was ready to come here and lay it on you good. And uh, I was going to get y'all off them pillows now. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, my, my messenger goes off, and there's like this, uh, this guy that I knew uh, who sent me a, a text message, I mean, a, a, a message on Messenger, and uh, just saying, hey, because he, he wanted to, uh, to talk, and I just kind of looked at him, and of course, he's, he's one of those people. You know those people, don't you? But uh, anyway, and I was like, man, I don't want to talk to him, and I just put it back down. And then I went back to, you know, falling to hell, fire and brimstone on y'all. And it finally occurred in my heart and my life, you know, that I need to practice what I preach. Even though I don't think that that person uh, is uh, maybe lowly, I'm really not rather ta- to be talking to, but that's what Christ wants me to do. And that's what I have to live in my life. And there will be a lot of people that are kind of the untouchable people, the people that you know nobody wants to associate, nobody wants to talk to because they're weird and they're strange and they're just those people. But that's what the Lord has told us to do is to not think so highly of ourselves, because Jesus didn't think too highly of himself when he was sitting there on the throne above to come down here and to spend time with us lowly sinners. And so the same thing should be true for us. But then, and probably most difficultly, we have to learn to deal 
with problem people. Deal with problem people. Listen to what he tells us in verse number 17. Um, It says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is acceptable in the sight of all. As, As far as it depends on you, if at all possible, live at peace with everyone. You know, a lot of times when people do us wrong or when there's friction in our lives, we want to bring judgment on them. But the Lord has called us to bring peace. And a lot of times our ideas of what we want to do to people or how we want to react to people are very harsh and they're very rash. But the Lord says, you know what? If there's a problem in your life, if you have a problem with someone, there's a way to constructively talk about it. There's a way to work through that problem. But you should do it in a sense of wisdom. You shouldn't do it based on your emotions. You should do it in a way that's acceptable in the sight of all as you talk to people who are around you. And you should work constructively through that difficulty. If there's something that you disagree with on, if there's a misunderstanding, you should, in a way, constructively work through it. And if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. You know, there's some people that just aren't going to live peacefully with us. There's some people that are just going to hold a grudge. There are just some people that are just going to hate you. There are some people that are just, they're just evil and mean. But never let it be you. Never let to be the result of the problem be you. Never let the cause of a situation or an argument be because of you. You need to do your part to do what Jesus has called us to do, and that is to be peacemakers. And he says, finally, never seek, never seek to avenge yourself. Never seek to make someone pay for the wrong that they have done you. That's always what we want to do. We want retribution and retaliation. But what the Lord teaches us is something different. He says, no, don't go repay no one for what they do. Never avenge yourself, but leave room for the Lord's judgment. In other words, let those people who are evil to you be dealt with by God himself. And give it up to God and trust that he would bring you vengeance, that he will bring you justice in that situation. And he says, not only do you are not to go out to seek punishment, but here's what you're to do. If your enemy is hungry, give him food. And if he is thirsty, give him drink. And a lot of times, if we honestly read that, we say, Lord, that's just a bunch of nonsense. Because that's the last thing that we want to do. But what the Lord says to us, that when you do this, and he's quoting out of, uh, out of Proverbs here, uh, 25, I believe. He says that when you do that, then you are pouring hot coals on their head. Now we're talking hot coals on their head. That's what I'm all about. But what he says to us, when you are someone who does evil to you, what they want you to do is they want to you to do evil back. And why do they want you to do evil back? So they can do evil back to you. And it just goes back and forth. And that describes so much of the world today. Everybody hating everybody. Those people retaliate. And those people retaliate. But when you're good to them in return, 
It almost stings them because it draws a mirror to the wrongness of what they have done. It causes them to think, hey, maybe I don't need to be doing this because as long as they're doing evil and they're doing evil back in return, they think they're justified in their evil. But when you show kindness to them, it points to the light of their evilness. And he gives us this last word there in verse number 21. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's so much evil in the world today. And there really doesn't seem to way, any way to bring justice to it or to bring any into it. Not only in our personal lives, but as we see in our nation, as we see in our world, all the evil that's going on. And eventually that we try to work through it and we try to make the world a better place, but it's just evil on top of evil. And so we just become evil ourselves. It overcomes us. It turns us into something. You know, you think about vampires and you think about zombies. Vampires and zombies and the evil that they do. But their one great goal is to make you just like them. And that's the way that world is out there. It wants to take you and pour so much evil on you that it turns you evil just like them. And that is the cycle of the world. But the Lord says, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what Christ did. With so much evil in the world, he came not to bring judgment on this world, but to bring good and salvation through the sacrifice he made on the cross. And the good that he brought through the death and the sacrifice he had on the cross brought the end to evil. Now, evil's not over now, but the date has been signed when one day it'll be gone. And so we live in hope of that. And we live in this world not to be overcome with evil, but to show God's love to the world, His genuine love. And that allows us not only to love people, but also to love our life. Not only to love those who are good to us, but also those who are evil to us. Let us show God's love. Let us learn to love, not as the world has taught us to love, but as Christ has taught us to love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, for all your many blessings. Lord, we thank you for the love that you showed upon this earth. Lord, by just coming down here and how you showed us the love through the sacrifices that you made, the way that you treated the lowly. Lord, the way that you treated the sinners, but also by the love that you showed us on the cross. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that has not received that gift of love, that they do so this morning. But I pray for the rest of us that you will teach us to love. Love not like the world, but to love like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing a hymn of invitation.